My name is Caleb. If you didn't catch it earlier, I am the senior leader of the resting place. I, that means I'm in charge. It's kind of like senior pastor, but different. And I would love to meet you face to face. And I'd love to talk about your dreams and your hopes and even your crit critiques and whatever. I love feedback. My team will tell you I love feedback. Please give it to me. And the way to do that is at Fresh Start, like Scott announced. If you haven't been to Fresh Start, you should go. It'll be good. 12 to 1230. We will end at 1230. Who's been to Fresh Start already? Raise your hand. Did we end at 1230? Yes, we did. I, we start on time, end on time, every time. Here, we do. Because we honor everyone. Everyone who shows up on time. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Everyone who has plans afterwards, hello, come on. This is not the most, you know, anyway. Okay, so today we are starting a brand new series. Wasn't the Peacemaker series helpful? Wasn't that great? We had a panel last week. Can we give it up for our panel members, Scott, Kimberly, Jimmy, and Heather? So good. If you missed that, please go back on Facebook and watch it. And just so you know, we are working towards updating our live stream and everything. And so to that point, I do need to honor a few people. I need Amanda Maldonado and Mark Ramos to stand up, raise your hand. Stand up, Amanda, raise your hand. These two, plus Hyveson and, and Tracy Irwin. I'm sorry, stand up, Tracy. These three, plus another named Hyveson. Thank you, guys. These are the, the wheels that are turning behind the scenes. They produced our brand new website that you can check out, therestingplacetampa.com. It's really slick. Yeah, Amanda produced the bumper that you saw at the beginning of the gathering, and it's on our Facebook page. And Mark really is an IT wizard. He's working on our live stream, everything like that. Really, really appreciate your gifts and what you've done. Uh, we, it's not like we're standing around going like, okay, every church has ABC. We need to do ABC. That's not how we've operated thus far. It's never, it's never how we're going to operate. Amanda came to me and said, I have an idea. Look at this. And she showed me something. I was like, that's awesome. It was totally from the inside out of her. I was like, let's use that. She needed 40, duck, 40 bucks to ducks, 40 bucks to bring it to completion. 40 ducks with coins in their mouths. That's the common version of Jesus, Peter, and the fish, right? Right there. She needed $40 to buy a, a track to go behind it. So we gave her support. That's our iOS. She was inspired. We gave her an opportunity and then supported the opportunity. That's how we empower everyone around here. And I'm just grateful for the gift. Same thing with Mark. Everybody else hypes in. So anyway, just want to let you know that's, that's why. We're, whatever comes from the inside out of our people is what we're going to give oppor opportunity to and support. Okay? Like Gigi, she picks these songs from the inside out of her. Edward, they, they do this from the inside out. So, you know, you might want a little more variety. You might want a little more this or that. But it's just coming out from the inside of them. You know what I mean? It's just where their passion, what makes their heart leap. All right? That's what I asked my team, right? My team can tell you what makes your heart leap. Let's do that. And so, anyway, that's why we are the way we are, because of the people we have. Amen? Are you following me? I know this is like a big, long introduction, but feels important. Okay. Today we are starting a brand new series called Sin and Grace. Okay? And here's the purpose of this series. The purpose of this series is to define two concepts, to define two concepts that are often used and more often misunderstood. <laughs> We're going to define two words and concepts that are often used in the church and more often misunderstood, or at least partially understood. So what I've done today um, is I've actually crafted some notes because I have 23 scripture references today. <laughs> so in order to not freak you out like you have to write a million miles a minute, you can go to the website, go to therestingplacetampa.com, even right now if you want to, and click, what is it, Mark Sermons? Media, and then sermons, there's a PDF. You can download all of my notes. It has all of my thoughts and all the scriptures included. 
TheRestingPlaceTampa.com. You can do it now until tomorrow night. We're going to take it down tomorrow night for copyright litigation. All right, trying to mitigate that rather. So, we good? Everybody good? You got notes if you need them. TheRestingPlaceTampa.com. Click media and then sermons. There's a little download link. It says PDF. It's a PDF, okay? Because I'm going to go really fast because I got a lot to say. Today is going to be, we're going to talk about sin. What is sin? Yes, we're talking about sin in church. Somebody say hallelujah. <laughs> what did I walk into? I don't even know. Oh, my gosh. They sang forever. And now he's talking about sin. This is so weird. <laughs> okay. I want to define sin. What is sin? That's what I want to answer today, okay? So let's pray really quickly. Holy Ghost, help. Amen. Here we go. Here's what sin is not. Are you ready? Here's what sin is not. Sin is not an oopsie. No, it is not. Sin is not a mistake. No, it is not. Sin is not temptation. Most of you know temptation is not the same thing as sin, right? Come on. Sin is not temptation. And sin is not more powerful than grace. Amen. So there's a key verse I want you to understand. And I love different translations of the Bible. Let me help you read multiple translations of the Bible, okay? I don't, if you're King James diehard, that's fine. Let supplement your King James with like ESV, TPT, NLT, message. Oh, my God, the message. <laughs> Paraphrasement. It's technically a paraphrase, so don't freak out. It's okay. So what I've done today is we're going to go through, uh, we're going to talk about some key a key verse to understand is Romans 6, 1 through 2, and we're going to read it in three different translations, okay? I'm going to have them on the screens. This is the only thing that's going to be on the screens because I want you turning in your Bible for the rest of the day, okay? So here you go. You can look on the screens or in your Bible, Romans chapter 6, verse 1 through 2. This is in the ESV. This is a key verse. It's a key verse to understand what sin is, okay? It says, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? Help me, Vanguard. By no means. Come on. How can we who died to sin still live in it? How can we who died to sin still live in it? Let's look at it in the Passion Translation. So what do we do then? Do we persist in sin so that God's kindness and grace will increase? What do we do now that we've been saved? How do we act? Do we persist in sin so that God's kindness and grace will increase? What a terrible thought. We have died to sin once and for all as a dead man passes away from this life. Come on, that's good news. We have died to sin once and for all as a dead man passes away from this life. So how can we live under sin's rule a moment longer? Come on, are you seeing this? Let's check it out in the message. This is a paraphrase, but not a translation. This is awesome. So what do we do? Keep on sinning so God can keep forgiving? I should hope not. If we've left the country where sin is sovereign, how can we still live in our old house there? Come on, are you getting the picture? Or didn't you realize we packed up and left there for good? That is what happened in baptism. This is verse through verse 3. When we went under the water, we left the old country of sin behind. When we came up out of the water, we entered into the new country of grace. That's the only country song I like right there. A new life in a new land. <laughs> That's what happened in baptism. That's what baptism into the life of Jesus means. When we were lowered into the water, it's like the burial of Jesus. When we were raised up out of the water, it's like the resurrection of Jesus. Each of us is raised into a light-filled world by our Father so that we can see where we're going in our new grace-sovereign country. Isn't that good? Come on, so good. So good. We need to understand that that idea of leaving sin behind 
A moving into a new place already happened. It's not something you're doing. It's something Christ did on your behalf. He has delivered you from the dominion of darkness and transferred you into the kingdom of light. That's somewhere in the Bible. You can Google it. But the reality is we have a misunderstanding of what sin is. All right? Sin is both an action and an entity. It is both an action and an entity. A lot of times in the church we hear it's just, you know, to miss the mark, things like that, right? But it's actually both an action and an entity. I'll prove it to you. Are you ready? This is Romans 8, 3 through 4. Again, you have the notes online if you want them, or you can write that down. You can turn to Romans 8 if you'd like. I'm going to read a lot of scripture, and i got to speed up here in a second, okay? For God has done, verse 3, what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do, by sending his own son. Okay, let's back up a little bit. God has done. Say, has done. God has, say has. <laughs> this is past tense language, right? Okay. God has done, I'm just making sure I'm not the only one noticing these things. God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin. In the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin. Sin is an action and an entity. In the likeness of sinful flesh, say and. Say and. Say and. Yes, there it is. And for sin. He condemned sin in the flesh. Sin got a death sentence, y'all. In order that, why did he do it? In order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. Who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Here's what you need to know. The first Adam used his body, his flesh. Look at me. This thing right here. His flesh to disobey God. Did Adam and Eve have a sinful flesh in the garden before the fall? No, they did not. Did Adam use his flesh to sin? Help me, yes or no? Yes, okay, good. So the first Adam used his body to disobey God and therefore condemned mankind. But the last Adam, he used his body, the likeness of sinful flesh, the likeness of sinful flesh, Come on, because he wasn't sinful, he didn't sin, but he had the likeness of sinful flesh, hello, to obey God and therefore offered freedom to all mankind. The first Adam used his flesh to disobey. The last Adam used his flesh to obey. One offered death, one offered life. And you have to understand, even the word sin, it, it, okay, it's got, we're going to talk about the flesh, we're going to talk about sin, okay, but first you need to understand that sin is used, um, in two different ways, okay? There's a verb and a noun. We said it, it's an action and an entity, okay? It's used 17 times in Romans 6 alone. Only one time it's a verb. Only one time it's something you do. In Romans, out of 17 times, only once. The rest of the times, all 16 times, it's a noun. And the word in the Strong's Concordance literally means failure, okay? The noun, failure. The person, place, or thing called failure. You need to understand there's a spirit called failure, that wants to make you feel like you are one. There's a spirit called failure that wants to make you, convince you that you are one. There's an action, a verb. It means to miss the mark through willful disobedience. Say willful disobedience. It means you knew it was wrong, you did it anyway. People say, oh, I can't ask God for forgiveness. That I meant to do it. I, meant, I knew it was wrong and I did it. Yeah, that's the only thing he forgives. I can't go to God with that. I, I knew it was wrong. I, I can't. I got I to, gotta, you know, read my Bible before I go to God and ask forgiveness. 
because I knew it was wrong. That's the only kind of thing he forgives. It's called sin. Sinning, the action. It's willful disobedience. We've said sin is to miss the mark as in we're trying to hit the mark and we failed. Not sin. Okay, imagine with me that I have a bow and arrow in my hands. I wanted to buy a prop, but I'm just going to act like I have one. You've got imaginers, right? Imagine I have a bow and arrow in my hand with an arrow. And that wall over there is the mark. Okay? This is what it means to sin. It is not I shoot for the mark and it lands short. I miss the mark. It's there's the mark. Bang. I'm shooting over here. There's the mark. Bang. I'm shooting over here. I'm pointed at the mark. I know that's the mark. I'm going to choose to shoot elsewhere. Am I freaking anybody out? Anyone have a really good imagination? <laughs> to miss the mark is not to go, shoot, and it lands short over there. No, it's to go, I know that's the mark. I'm going to point straight down to the ground, bang, and fall short of the glory of God. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. It's not, I tried really hard. and fit. No. It's, I knew it was wrong. I shot down here. That's the action of sin. Are you getting that? Yes? Okay. But the noun is an entity that wants to control you. The noun is an entity. You literally, before Christ, were trafficked by the entity called sin. Sin is the original human trafficker. Sin trafficked Eve in the garden. She was trafficked. Was Eve deceived in the garden? Yes? Yes. Paul said, I fear lest you be deceived as Eve in the garden from the simplicity that is in Christ. Simplicity that is the gospel. Eve was deceived. Adam chose. Eve was tricked. Adam chose. Eve was trafficked. Adam chose. That's why we're under the sin of Adam, not the sin of Eve. Are you okay? I know I'm kicking in some worldview here. But the reality is it takes willful, say willful, disobedience to be categorically sin, an action you do. Are you with me? Yes. I'm right about this. I am. It's okay. So here's, let me clear it up for you. You are in your body, which used to be trafficked by sin, but you're no longer in the flesh because you're set free from sin. You're in your body. You have a physical body. You have a physical flesh. That used to be trafficked, but you're no longer in the flesh because you've been set free from the trafficker. <laughs> we believe the lie often in the church that because we are in the body that was used for lawlessness, that we are lawless. That's a lie. Just because you're in the body, the instrument that was used for sin, for lawlessness, just because you're in that body still, doesn't make that body lawless. I'll prove it to you. Roman, uh, I'm sorry. Hebrews 8.10 says this is the covenant. Hebrews chapter 8, verse 10, this is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after those days. Talking about after the old covenant, the new one that we're in. Declares the Lord, I will put my laws into their minds, say minds, and write them on their hearts. And I will be their God and they shall be my people. You no longer have a lawless, deceitful heart. When you got the Holy Ghost, you got the new heart. Okay, Jeremiah said there's all the heart, you know, the heart is deceitfully wicked. But then Ezekiel says, I will put a new heart and a new spirit in you. When you get the new spirit, the Holy Spirit, you get the new heart. You can't have both. I'm right about that. Romans 6, verse 6. This is huge. This is the sixth book of the New Testament. Sixth chapter, sixth verse. What's the number of man? Man. Oh, man. Oh, man. 
I'm going to just leave that floating in the air, see what you do with it later. Here it is, verse 6 of chapter 6. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing. Say nothing. Nothing means nothing. How much is nothing? Zero. Nothing. Nothing. We know. Do you know? Can you say you're a we? Are you a we? <laughs> Are you of the we? <laughs> we know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. Are you seeing this? Action and entity. Yes? Yes? Okay. Now, I can defend the statement I said you're no longer in the flesh because it's actually what the Bible says. It's not actually my idea. It's actually in the word. Romans 8, verse 8 through 9. Are you ready for this? I feel so, I don't know, I feel something in the room. I think that in, in prayer they're saying unzipped. I feel like there's an unzipping going on. You're getting unzipped from old mindsets right now. You might not like it. You might hate the sound of that zipper, but you need it, all right? So <laughs> here it is, verse 8, 8 through 9. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Say cannot. <laughs> Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh. But in the spirit, if in fact the spirit of God dwells in you, does he ever leave? Then you can't be in the flesh. Anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. Here's what you need to understand. The flesh has multiple meanings in scripture. Just like sin has multiple uses, the flesh has multiple uses, all right? Write this down. Ephesians 2, 28 through 30. It's also in the notes if you don't want to write it down. Ephesians 2, 28 through 30 talks about the flesh as a physical body. Your flesh can mean the physical body like the thing I'm hitting right now. All right? It says in that passage, in the same way husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh. Come on. That's not talking about a sin nature. Yeah, you want to hate the sin nature, right? <laughs> no one ever hated their own sin nature. No. No one ever hated their own flesh, care for wives as their own bodies, but nourishes it and cherishes it. Nourishes and cherishes a sin nature? No. Talking about eating good food like I'm going to do after this. You know what I'm saying? That's what it's talking about. Just as Christ does the church because we are members of his body. So I love saying this because it just feels good. You have a flesh. It's flesh of his flesh and bone of his bone. That's the only flesh you got. And the tent you're wearing right now, which will one day be unzipped. So it can mean a physical body and it can mean a sin nature. Check this out. Galatians 5.24, also in uh, Romans 6 and 7 and 8. 5.24 says, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Do you know what it means? The crucified word means, you know what that means? It means it's dead. Those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Means it's dead. Say it's dead. Turn to your neighbor. Say your flesh is dead. <laughs> what are you struggling with? Oh, the work of God is to believe from John 6, 29. This is the work of God that you believe on him who he has sent. Now, I'm going to be very clear. You are still able to sin with your body. Hello? I hear people say, Caleb, you can't say we don't have a flesh. You're saying Christians don't sin. I'm like, have you met any Christians? <laughs> you're still able to sin with your body, but you're no longer trafficked by sin. You're still able to sin. You're no longer trafficked. You get to choose. Under the law of Moses, 
The people of God, even under the law of Moses, were trafficked through the law. That's what Paul is describing in Romans 7 in his present tense use of I. Romans 7, 14, he's speaking about the law. Read the whole chapter 7. You'll see he's talking about the law of Moses and its requirements. That's the context. Context is not king. Jesus is king, but it's really important. Okay? <laughs> For we know that the, some of y'all didn't like that. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh, sold under sin. Now, this is right after a whole chapter of him saying, I'm set free from sin, dead to sin, no longer enslaved to sin. Sin will have no dominion over me. I'm a slave of righteousness. And then he says, I am of the flesh, sold under sin. The word sold under is the literal word trafficked. Trafficked goods. So, Paul, are you set free? Are you no longer enslaved? Or are you trafficked? Which one is it? Well, he's talking about being under the law. He goes on in verse 20 of Romans 7 says, now if I do not do what I want, I'm sorry, if I do what I don't want, it's no longer I who do it. If I do the bad thing, he, Paul even says, under the law, guys, you need to get this. <laughs> under the law, he says, if I do the bad thing, it's not even me. Under the law. And we're struggling to believe that under the better covenant, <laughs> okay, <laughs> I can't get ahead of myself. If I do what I do not want, it's no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. Here he says, it's no longer I, but sin that lives in me. Galatians 2.20 says, it's no longer I, but Christ who lives in me. Which one is your present tense situation? I know he uses the present tense verb, but I went to English class. I learned that the author is not always the speaker. Can you tell a story and say I and it not be you? And not be a schizophrenic person, right? Like... The author is not always the speaker. Okay. So you were trafficked. We, the people of God were trafficked under the law of Moses. Are you okay? I know this is very teacher. I'm trying. But now we're free under a new law, the law of grace. This is Romans 8, 1 through 2. Everyone knows 8, 1, but everybody skips 2, and 2 is the more important part. <laughs> it says, there is no condemnation for those who are what? In Christ Jesus. Yeah. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. The law of the spirit of life has set you free from the law of sin and death. And when you say things, I'm still, when you say things like, I'm still struggling with a sin nature, you are literally committing an illegal act. I'm a legalist in one sense, I'm legally free. I'm legalistic about my freedom. Yes, I am. You will not accuse me otherwise. I will bring a court case against you and say, uh uh uh. The law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. So what is the situation you get to choose? Back in Romans 6, 15 through 16, it says, what then? Are we to sin because we're not under law but under grace? By no means. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are the slaves of one, the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness? Are you getting this? You once were trafficked, now you get to choose. You once were trafficked by sin, now you get to choose. You're free to choose your own master. Choose wisely. You're not under the law of sin and death. You're under the law of the spirit of life. It's illegal for you to be trafficked by sin. It's illegal for you to be bound. It's illegal for you to be bound. Get this in your noggin. It's illegal for you to be bound up by sin. That's illegal. You need to tell sin it's illegal. So you have no right in my life. We've done the other thing. We've called it natural. 
When you say yes to Jesus, the old passes away. Come on, you're completely new. The flesh is removed and you're a new person. The flesh is removed and you are a new person. This is what this house believes. This is a line in the sand, guys. We believe the Bible. I'm going to give you five scripture references, multiple translations, really fast. I'm just going to read these, all right? Again, you have the notes. Romans 6, 6, again, but in the Amplified Classic. We know that our old unrenewed self was nailed to the cross with him. In order that our body, which is the instrument of sin, might be made ineffective and inactive for evil. Your current body is ineffective and inactive for evil. Until you believe it's effective and active for evil. If you're deceived into thinking that it's actually meant to be evil, then you will be evil. You'll sin by faith. Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. The life I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. I do not nullify the grace of God. For if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. Meaning the law was never meant to make you righteous. The law was meant to reveal the true enemy. The law was here to reveal sin as utterly sinful. The law came to reveal the fact that people were trafficked. Because before the law where there are no rules and you're just doing bad things, there's no standard, sin hides dormant. And it hides. It says this in Romans 7. Apart from the law, sin hides dormant. But when the law came, sin sprang up. The law revealed sin as an entity and an action. Everyone's thinking you've got to keep the law to get righteous. That's, the law was never meant to make you righteous. <laughs> Second Corinthians 5, 16 through 19. You all know these. But from now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Meaning we regard no one according to their physical person. Black, white, yellow, brown, you know, whatever. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh. Is that talking about a sin nature? How could you regard Christ according to the sin nature. You can't because he doesn't have sin in his life, right? Are you, are you seeing this? Action and an entity. We regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Help me. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against him and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Here's what's happened in the church, and I did not know I was going to go here. Here we are. I might not make it through the rest of my notes. The church has an autoimmune disease. For years, I've been curing the church of an autoimmune disease, and I didn't know it. I just had a revelation last week. You know what MS does? Multiple sclerosis. You know what it does? It's where the body attacks the body. Moreover, where the brain attacks the body and sends the wrong signal. That happens in the church all the time. Heads of churches, heads of bodies say you're evil, you're sick, you're wrong, you're wretched. The brain attacking the body. And guess what happens? Numbness, apathy, stuff don't work right. We have a walking miracle in the back, actually. Jenny Lee Horn has been diagnosed with MS. She should not be walking or talking. Her brain scans say she should not be walking or talking. According to science. She's certainly standing. She walked to that spot. Come on, that's a miracle. It is a miracle. Come on. She and I were talking about this, and we, I had this revelation with her in the room. I'm like, oh, my gosh, the church has MS. The head's been telling the body she's, she's awful. Not Christ, but the heads of churches. 
So how do we fix it? We send the right signals. That's what I'm trying to do today. 1 John 4, 17. You don't believe me that you're free from a sin nature? 1 John 4, 17. By this is love perfected with us, that we may have confidence for the day of judgment, because as he is, so also are we in this world. As Christ is, so also are we in this world. Come on. You, back to 2 Corinthians 5. You forfeit the, the message of reconciliation. You forfeit the ministry God gave you when you count people's trespasses against them. Let me translate. You stop doing the work of God when you call people sinful by nature. You were a child of wrath. Now you are a child of God. Ephesians 2. You were, but now you are. Okay, I got to keep going. This is a big deal. Colossians 2, 8 through 12 says the same thing. I'm just giving you multiple references here. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit. According to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in him. That means there ain't no room for no devils, ain't no room for anything else. God is really big. How can he co-occupy a space with somebody else? I don't get it. You've been filled in him with the whole fullness of God, by the way, who is the head of all rule and authority. In him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the flesh. Let me ask you, are you still wearing your body? Yeah, what is that talking about? The sin nature. Snip, gone. We're shouting at foreskins. I don't get it. Okay. By the circumcision of Christ. Having been buried with him in baptism in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. Here's that same verse, Colossians 2.11 in the Passion Translation. Through our union with him, we have experienced circumcision of heart. All of the guilt and power of sin has been cut away and is now extinct because of what Christ, the anointed one, has accomplished for us. You're trying to die to your flesh. You're, you're literally seeking honor and glory and praise that is due Christ alone. NLT version says it right out. When you came to Christ, you were circumcised, but not with a physical procedure. Christ performed a spiritual circumcision, the cutting away of your sinful nature. Come on, it's right there. The church doesn't have a sin nature issue. It has an unbelief issue. You might be asking yourself, if all that's true, why do I sin? Well, maybe someone's told you the opposite your whole life. Could it be that you believe the lie? That you are not the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus? Could it be that you believe the lie that the old has not completely passed away? Could you believe the lie the new has not completely come? Could you believe the utter horrible use of 1 Corinthians 15 where Paul says, I die every day, meaning it has to do with your flesh? Nowhere in there does he talk about a sin nature. He's talking about persecution for preaching resurrection power in the flesh. 1 Corinthians 15, I die every day. That's the only die every day statement in the whole Bible, guys. And he's not talking about your sin nature. In fact, Romans 6.10 says, the death he died, he died to sin once for all. So you also must consider yourself dead to sin once for all, alive to God, once for all. Hebrews 10.10, you've been sanctified by that one gift once for all. This elevates and gives the preeminence to Jesus and what he did. That's what this does. It doesn't elevate you. You didn't do that to you. You're not even here anymore. You no longer live. You're a, you're a vessel for glorious views. You've been emptied out. Stop praying things God already did. Empty me of myself. He already did. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending his son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin. 
the action and the entity. Jesus really did pay it all, guys. So what is sin? Sin used to be your master. It used to traffic you. It trained you to think it was perfectly natural for you to disobey and miss the mark. It's now a dethroned monarch. That's what sin is. And a dethroned monarch who has no dominion over you. Come on, let's say it together. Sin has no dominion over me. That's the truth. I don't care how wrong it feels. You might have got 20 years of other teaching telling you something else. Sin has no dominion over you. It's now a defeated and obsolete law that has no power in your life. It's now the most unnatural thing you can do with your body. Come on, somebody. It's the most unnatural thing you can do, kind of like sugar. <sighs> Granulated white sugar is the most unnatural poison you can put in your body. Yet you do it, you put it in your body, and then you stop putting it in your body. All of a sudden you want it really bad. And then you call it a natural craving. That doesn't make the substance natural just because you feel like you need it. Just because you feel it does not mean you are it. As the man thinks, the, the, the uh, who is it, Descartes said, I think therefore I am. Bull crap. Sorry, you almost let the other one out. <laughs> You're welcome, maybe I should say. <laughs> Woo, my neck got hot. That was close. <laughs> We're streaming. <laughs> no, it's not I think, therefore I am. It's he speaks, therefore I am. He speaks, therefore I am, no matter what I think. Listen, you may feel like sinfulness is in your nature, but here's the reality. Are you ready? This just, if you remember nothing today, the only thing sin can be when it comes to nature is second nature. That's the only thing sin can be when we talk about the realm of natural action and reaction. It's second nature. How can I say that? You are made in the image and likeness of God. That word likeness in the Hebrew literally means character. Your character is godlike. And very good because you've been restored to the garden. You were made in the image and likeness of God. Then you were trafficked by an abusive entity that trained you to think like the world. Are you seeing this? Just because something is second nature doesn't make it your original nature. We need to get back to our first nature. Come on, I don't care if somebody cuts you off and you cuss them out, that doesn't make it natural. Anyone drive stick shift? Anyone do it really good? You got to think about it? Or does that clutch just pop and you, you punch it, right? Not at, it's second nature. Did you, were you born with that ability? Or did you learn it? It's like that with sin. A few more things, then I'm done. The fact that you're unable to sin like you used to tells you that it's no longer natural for you to sin. Come on, anybody got some BC days? Anybody? Anybody want to say, I got a testimony? Anybody raise their hand and say, I got a testimony before Jesus, before Christ. I sinned the worst, like the worst of them, and it didn't even hurt my feelings. I didn't even mind. I enjoyed it a lot. I got saved when I was eight, so for me it was stealing from the cookie jar and punching my brother in the face. You know what I mean? Whatever. If you sin and hate it, that's all the... All the proof you need. The last time you sinned and liked it was before Jesus, I promise you. Now, you can get numbed. You can sin and not let the forgiveness of God wash your heart and, like, bring you to a place of repentance. You can do that over and over and over again, and that's called callousing your own heart, callousing your own spirit. 
where you don't feel the effects of your body. It's just like sugar. At first you drink it, and it's like, oh, my God, what was that? And then you keep doing it, and it doesn't really take the edge off anymore. You don't even really feel the effect, but it's still messing you up on the inside. Come on. That's what happens with your spirit, man. When you continually sin over and over again, it doesn't have the same effect like it used to. It doesn't convict you nearly as much as it used to, but it still doesn't make it natural. John 16, 8 says, when he comes, the Holy Spirit, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Meaning if you're convicted at any point of sin, you have the Holy Ghost and you're not in the flesh. Period. 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 You're not struggling with your flesh. You're struggling with unbelief in the finished work of the cross. I'd love to break it to you. Your conviction over sin is proof the Holy Spirit dwells in you. And here's the last thing. Sin is an if-not-when situation. It's an if-not-when situation. 1 John chapter 2, verse 1, says, My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you would not sin. But if, say if, but if anyone does sin, do you hear the language there? How far off are we in our thinking and theology? The apostle John would say, but if anyone sins, like, probably won't happen. We're like, when you all go sin, <laughs> we need to get back to our first nature. We need to get back to a biblical understanding of the finished work. If any one of you does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Christ Jesus the righteous. Hallelujah. Sin is an if, not when situation. That's why I say things like, if you ever sin again, it would be so unlike you. And you need to say that to you. If you ever sin again, which I'd be totally shocked by. Because the truth will set you free. Don't let this condemn you, by the way. You walk out of here and you have a, I'm, let me put it this way. You don't have a sin nature, but you might have a sin habit. Right? And habits need to be broken. People stop drinking coffee in 21 days, all right? Like you can stop sinning, whatever the sin is. I, I, it's a miracle to me. I don't know. Anyone else? I don't even know how people stop drinking coffee. I don't, I don't get that. I've got a coffee habit, all right? <laughs> And I don't have any conviction about it, just to clear it up. Just so you know. <laughs> Maybe one day. <laughs> I know this is difficult. I know I'm kicking in the teeth of your worldview probably. And probably all the teaching you've had thus far. I'm not calling your former pastor or whatever bad or dumb or any of that. I'm just telling you what it says. I've given you a whole bunch of scripture. you got the PDF. Download it. Chew on it. Let's talk about it. But the reality is we need to apply this in our thinking. And if you ever sin again, I want you to look in the mirror and say, that was so unlike you. Because as he is, so also are we in this world. I'm calling you up. I'm calling you up to the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus that's already in you. That was bought and paid for it and deposited. You don't even need to write the check. It's like in your pockets, guys. Just, that was so unlike me. That was so unlike me. Oh, my goodness. This is how Jamadi and I confess our sins to one another because we do. Am I saying I haven't sinned in the recent history? No. I'm saying if I sin, I go to Jamadi and say, hey, babe, I did this thing or I sinned against you or I did this. I confess my sin to my wife. It's a good idea, husbands, wives. Really safe place. It says confess your sins to one another that you may be healed. Right? James chapter 5. Come on. It's a great idea. Know what we say, though? I say, I go to Jamadi and say, Babe, I did this thing. It was so unlike me. 
And that creates a foundation for confession. It confesses my righteousness before it confesses my sin. And you need to confess your righteousness just as much, if not more, than your sins. Come on, let's stand together. I'm going to have the restoration team come up. We're going to make some declarations as we end here. We're going to end in five minutes with the team. I went a little long. I hope that's okay. Sorry. This is how we end every gathering. We have a prayer team for you. But I want to end this teaching moment with some declarations. I'm going to read it, and then I want you to read it, okay? So I'm going to read it to you first so that you hear it first, and you can decide if you agree with this. And even if you're wrestling with it, I encourage you to say it anyway. <laughs> I'm going to read these declarations. I want you to repeat them. Just a minute. Here they are. We're going to say, I am set free from sin, exclamation point. All right? We're going to say, I am dead to sin, exclamation point. I'm no longer enslaved to sin. I am set free from sin. Sin has no dominion. Sin will have no dominion over me. I am a slave of righteousness. I am set free from sin. It's a declaration. Are you ready? I'll say it, and then you say it like you believe it or like you want to believe it. How about it? Maybe some of you need to put your hand on your head and just speak this over your mind because you got other thoughts happening. Yeah. I can, like, literally hear the buzzing in the room, in the spirit. I can hear the buzzing of thoughts. All right. Here we go. I am set free from sin. I am dead to sin. I'm no longer enslaved to sin. I am set free from sin. Sin will have no dominion over me. I am a slave of righteousness. I am set free from sin. I am set free from sin. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, give the Lord a clap. It's so good. Sandy is our restoration team leader. She has some words of knowledge that we're going to do really quickly because we have three minutes. There is such a grace for freedom in this room. I'm so excited. I have such excitement, guys. I'm going to make this quick, but please step into the freedom. Don't leave here the same way you came. Please don't leave here the same way, same way you came. Um, there is somebody who's referred to as um, the lunch lady. You work in a cafeteria. There's something you, um, with stocks, and you are needing prayer for something financial. There's a gym teacher just down the hall. Uh, something with a new job and you are willing to relocate. We want to agree with you. Um, there's a spleen issue going on. Um, there's somebody, I believe, who um, wants to go to the um, Irish school, Heidi Baker School, and you're looking for confirmation. We want to agree with you on that. Um, there's somebody with tinnitus ringing in your right ear. Um, and again, this is for everybody online as well. Step into this. Take it. Um, there is uh, a running injury. Um, from a, like a hamstring pull, and you want to start running again, but you're a little fearful that you might uh, be injured. You won't. Uh, we want to agree with you on that. And there's a right wrist um, injury. Um, freedom. Don't leave the same way you came. Come for prayer. The reason we do this is because this team prays all week long for all of you. And they get words of knowledge from the Lord. It's a, it's a word of wisdom, a word of knowledge. And this is an important point, that if you have those things, don't leave with them. Like, leave them up here, you know, or agree with us. It's so good, okay? This team has faith for everyone. So no matter what, even if you don't, you didn't get called out just now with an ailment or something like that, you are free to come down and receive prayer. But before you do, please get your giants and world changers, okay? And also, those who have never said yes to Jesus, this team is here for you as well. If you've never said, Lord, I want you to have my life, I want the old to pass away, I want the new to come, 
then you are invited down. If I feel this too. Even if you feel like you need to rededicate your life because you heard the gospel preached a totally different way, come down. They will agree with you. All right? I'm just saying. If you just want to agree that that is for me, that, that it doesn't, doesn't nullify your salvation or any of that stuff, okay? So anyway, we're going to pray, and then we're going to end that way, okay? We're going to play some music, and you can sit and soak. You can get prayer, but please get your giants and world changers first, and then we'll see you at Fresh Start. Amen? Amen. Let's pray together. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your freedom that comes from your word. Thank you, God, that you are shouting freedom over this place. Thank you that you are not okay with the, with the found being bound. You want the found to be free. You paid for it, Jesus. Come on. Jesus, you paid for my freedom. Tell him. You paid for my freedom, and I am willing to receive it. I am receiving my inheritance in you, Jesus, that I am free in you. Nothing will hold me down from this moment. I will continue to grow from glory to glory. I will mature in my faith. I will stand up and say, God has set me free no matter what my experience tells me. I listen to your word above my experience, Lord, and we say yes to your word in this place. Come on, say yes. We say yes to your word in this place, Lord Jesus, and we bless your name, Lord God. This is all for you. We love you, Jesus, in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Bless you guys. Have a great day.